What is going on, guys? This is Brendan Burns, and welcome to The Brendan Burns Show. Join me as I interview, dissect, and share the stories of high performers who have created the life that they deserve on their terms. I sit down with speakers, professional athletes, and successful entrepreneurs from all over the world who have chosen to live a life of fulfillment and joy over status and money. In each episode, I share actionable strategies that you can implement in your life, plus inspiration along the way. So come join me for this episode of The Brendan Burns Show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of The Brendan Burns Show. Joining us today is Mitch Abnett, the founder, managing partner, and CEO of Compliance Risk Concepts, CRC. Prior to launching CRC in 2013, Mitch was a member of Corporate Leadership Group at Lincoln Financial Group, where he was the Senior Vice President and Chief Ethics and Compliance Officer, having direct oversight over the company's anti-money laundering, privacy, ethics, and compliance risk management programs. Throughout the course of Mitch's 28-year career in the financial services industry, he has worked for top-tier investment banks, commercial banks, and hedge funds, such as Wachovia Capital Markets, PNC Bank, and D.E. Shaw, developing an extensive knowledge of both buy and sell-side businesses. Mitch obtained his bachelor's degree in economics, graduating magna cum laude from the State University of New York at Oneonta. Mitch, welcome to the show. Brendan, thanks so much. It's a pleasure to be here. And, and once again, um, thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. We have a lot of listeners who either have their own businesses or want to start their own businesses. At what point in your career did you know that you wanted to be an entrepreneur and have your own business? And at what point did you act on that? It's a great question. Um, so I spent my first 20 years on Wall Street in-house as a compliance officer. And um, for the majority of that time, I actually sat on a trading desk as a compliance officer. So I knew very early on that I had an entrepreneurial spirit. You know, working with traders is a, is an, is a, is a very interesting career choice in terms of being in a support role. And I knew early on that I needed to either become part of the business process so that I could win hearts and minds uh, rather than be an afterthought and uh, viewed as an impediment to getting business done. And so it was with that mindset that my whole thought process and vision evolved. And, and probably about five years prior to launching CRC, I definitely had the bug to thinking about really how did I want to finish up my career? And I had quite a bit of time left, you know, so I'm still relatively young, but I, did I want to continue to be a chief compliance officer or was there something else out there that really um, excited me? And um, just by you know, way of background, I have a very um, ants in my pants kind of personality in terms of um, I, I get very bored very quickly uh, if I'm not excited about something. And so I'm, oh, my, my brain is always working. I'm always thinking about what's next. And I think a part of that, especially in the first 20 years of my career, is I don't think I was ever appropriately challenged. That doesn't mean I wasn't, I wasn't in challenging roles. It meant personally, I wanted more. And um, I, was, I had the opportunity at the end of my, um, my role at, at Lincoln to really think about what I wanted to do 
Uh, did I want to go down the road and be a chief ethics and compliance officer uh, at a different shop? And uh, just excuse my language, um, and I hope your listeners don't mind, but all that kept going through my mind when I was thinking about doing that was same shit, different address. Uh, and right then and there, uh, I felt like I knew I needed to do something different. But given where I was in, in, in my personal life, and you know, I was in my early 40s, I had kids who were going to be entering into to, um, you know, college age, and I knew that there was a risk in going to, into business for myself. But so I, I kind of was thinking, you know, how do I, how do, what do I want to do? How do I want to do it? And, but at the same time, I was still interviewing um, for CCO jobs. And I was actually in the last interview round with a Fortune 100 company, and I was in the um, courtesy interview with the CEO. So it was pretty, it was pretty much a lock and they just wanted me to meet the CEO uh, just so they can check that box. And during the conversation with him, if, you know, not to age myself and hopefully you get the joke, Brendan, uh, when he was speaking, it was, all that was going through my, my mind was the, the sound of the teacher's voices on, on the Peanuts Charlie Brown specials. Uh, wah, 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 wah. <laughs> And I'm like, at that moment in time, I had the most clarity in my professional career that I ever had. And I'm like, all that went through my mind was, I'm done. And then I made the decision. And my thinking was, I'm going to create a business strategy, not to leave the industry, but change who I am and what I do in the industry. And if I had a 20-year run where my clients, who were my employers, had great success in their compliance programs, no material or adverse actions against them. And if I could do that for one captive client, my employer, why couldn't I do that across many clients and scale a business in providing good compliance support to uh, quite truthfully individuals and firms who historically have been priced out of that support. And there became the impetus for the business plan, which eventually became CRC. So it sounds like you had a lot of success working in larger organizations and you felt confident that you could do this on your own. Were there ever any points early in this sort of decision-making process before execution, obviously, where doubts crept in or fears came up? And if so, how did you handle those? Yeah, um, great question. So I'm fortunate enough that I found great partners who believed in my vision and knowing them and individuals in their circle in their in their individual circles for years, just having established relationships throughout the industry, they really wanted to build around me. And so um, that was a uh, something that really alleviated a lot of the, the I wouldn't say it would alleviate that it alleviate excuse me that it alleviated a lot of the fear, but to to have people interested in what I was about to do and want to get behind it, not just from a an emotional support standpoint, but from a financial support standpoint, to say, hey, we want to build around you, was 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 very encouraging. But the truth of the matter is, good, bad, or different, and this is how I've been my whole life in terms of how I approach everything is once I'm in, I'm all in, okay? And there's no looking back. And I think that's a huge component 
that I've discovered in be becoming an entrepreneur. And I think you could say, and, and, I, I, and let's just back up for a second. I've always been entrepreneurial, right? But being entrepreneurial versus being an entrepreneur are light, and light, light worlds apart, okay? And once you take that step, um, I, I felt there was no look, looking back. And I would have trusted colleagues throughout the industry who I came to and told what I was doing. And you know, their first question would be, well, what if you um, don't close a piece of business in your first six months of, of, of hanging a shingle? What are you gonna do? And my answer was, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm like, that's not an option. And so if, if, if you have that mindset and you know, whether that's being aggressive in a good way, whether that's being stupid, I don't know what you want to call it, but if you have that mindset and you're committed to it um, and you're all in, um, there's something really empowering becoming the destiny. And to me, there was nothing more exciting than that. I mean, when you said to that gentleman or that person, that's not an option, that reminds me of when I was having dinner in 2016 with a friend of mine, and I'm telling him I'm about to leave, I'm about to start my own business. And he said to me, well, what if it doesn't work? You know, uh, most businesses fail. And I just looked at him, I said, well, what if it does work? That's exactly right. And, and, and it's funny, I have a couple of really good stories around this. So um, there's a, one of my... Um, colleagues who's the principal at CRC, uh, Roland Reyes. And Roland and I actually started our careers on Wall Street together. We actually met before we were 23 years old, believe it or not. And he and I have worked together in multiple iterations throughout our career. And um, he's probably my closest colleague, confident friend on the street. And when I came to visit him uh, at the time, I wasn't back in New York City yet, but when I came to visit him and told him what I was doing and why I was in New York City, meeting with those who were interested in what I was about to do, he asked me if I was going through a midlife crisis <laughs> and, and thought I was crazy. He's like, how could you leave uh, you know, a high paying, secure, C-suite type scenario, or even go to another where you, you could clearly do that and he just didn't reconcile with him. And then two years later, he joined me. And so now wow. for six years, and maybe one day you can interview him and get his perspective. But, you know, listen, um, the other thing I always say, and it's true, fear, fear is an amazing, and not, not instilling fear in others, which I, I'm a positive person and hopefully that comes through. And, and I reinforce through positivity, not negativity. That's just who I am as a person. But having that personal fear, right, that you talked about, it's extremely motivating. <laughs> yeah, it is. And one thing that I've noticed, it, well, one thing I like to say, first of all, and your friend was not a hater. I think he just had some fear he was projecting on you. But I always like to say, let the haters hate until they ask if you're hiring. Right. <laughs> and it was definitely not that it no, was yeah. and, and listen this is a lifelong friend who i could say is literally like a brother to me right yeah. and he that it was literally out of pure <laughs> concern for sure yeah i mean that's so that's the other point which is it's always about them and so you tell them what you're doing and now he's getting scared because he's imagining himself trying to do what you know right. you can do. And he's essentially saying, oh, I don't trust that I could do that. 
Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Um, when you when when I when I made the announcement to those who I knew in the industry, and and I spent the better part of the previous five years really focused on building my network, right? Mm -hmm. And knowing in the back of my mind that if I ever made took the leap and stepped out and wanted to do something, I really had to increase my profile within the industry. So I did a lot of speaking engagements. I um, I. You I, I, I developed relationships with vendors and other partners who we just developed nice rapports over, you know, across, let's just call it of a four, four or five year period. And, and you're thinking immediately is like anyone going to business, I have to leverage the, that network, right? I have to leverage those relationships. And the one thing that I will tell you, and it's the truest thing I probably will say on this call is Everybody who told me they would be there for me and were so excited for me never showed up. Um, the ones who might have been on the periphery of my career or who I may have worked with in some minor way, those are the ones who showed up, which to me was like one of the most interesting components of doing this. It's like, wow, I didn't even think that guy liked me. <laughs> and here he is saying, Mitch, this is really exciting. How can I help? I want to get involved. And that was so refreshing to see how those people came out in droves, really wanting to get behind what I was trying to do. And even if, and I'm not even talking about that equating into dollars, I'm talking about the emotional support. I'm talking about, let me introduce you to this person because this is someone you want to know. And I think they're going to want to know you. And the more you can connect those dots, there, there you start building, there, there and you start building a true network of, of business opportunities. Yeah. And I would just also suggest that those people who have helped you, whether it was financially network wise or emotionally, if they called you up and say, Hey, Mitch, can you help me with this? I'd imagine you'd be very willing to step up and make her an introduction or a referral or help if you could. Let me give you a real world example that actually happened yesterday. No joke. Yeah. Um, and I'm a big pay it forward kind of guy, right? And um, life is long and you never know who or when you're gonna need other people um, that you may have come across earlier in your, in your personal life or professional life. Having said that, I'm very blessed and I'm so thankful for what we've been able to build over the last eight years. So when I feel like there's an opportunity to help someone whether or not I had a previous relationship with, uh, with them um, or they became a client of mine in the last couple of years, I'm, I'm forever thankful for that, however long that relationship may last. And I had an individual reach out to me yesterday who's a fairly new client. Um, he came to me about two plus years ago and the firm is shutting down their operations. I might've talked to him once we were engaged, you know, a couple of times a year because it, it, you know, he was supported by my team. He and I would just check in with each other periodically. He came to me and he's like, I, you know, I'm really thinking about the next steps in my career. And I immediately said, let's get on a call and talk about what you want to do. And he was first and foremost taken aback because he didn't think we had that kind of relationship, right? And I said to him, you were there, you, you came to me and established a relationship with me a couple of years ago and I never forget that. And so what, how can I help you, right? What do you wanna do? Who do you wanna do it for? 
Do you want to consult with me? Do you want a full-time in-house job somewhere? Let me send your resume to these two clients I have because I know they're looking for chief compliance officers. And, 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 and the individual got very emotional in a very positive way. And he's like, I just can't believe how out of nowhere you're, you're just offering to help me. And, you know, just so appreciative. And, and you know what, you think about all the crap that we've been dealing with the last four years in terms of human interaction um, and um, people in this great divide we have in this country. And at the end of the day, we all just need to be human, right? And be there for one another. And if I can do that for someone professionally or personally, I'm gonna always step up because first of all, it feels real good, right? To help someone. Yeah. Secondly, that's what being a good partner is. And thirdly, and if I, th those are the altruistic things, right? And from a business perspective, don't you think that individual is going to remember me when they land at their next shop and say, wow, Mitch really came, you know, Mitch really showed up for me. I want to work with him again. And so it's, it, there must be reciprocity in what we do in life. And I think if I can't demonstrate that to my clients and my family, well, first and foremost, my family, but to my clients and my friends, then why are we doing this? Yeah, that's so well said. I actually reached out to someone who I didn't even know um, who had gone to Cornell with me, similar age, working in a financial services job. And he, he was so grateful to be on the phone with me. He had seen some of the podcast episodes and he said, you know, what's, what's the angle here? What's the purpose of this call? I said, there's no angle. Obviously, we are high, we're looking for coaching clients, but let's just get to know each other. And so we had a conversation. We traded, oh, where are you from? What do you do? And I said, look, you are looking for more clients. I know this guy in Texas that I went to business school and he calls me every day for an investment idea. And I say, get, <laughs> I, use an, I said, I don't work in a hedge fund anymore. And when I did, I always gave you the ideas and you never pulled the trigger on one. And you want to talk about cryptocurrency and Bitcoin and all these other coins I don't even know of. <laughs> you need a financial advisor and this guy's going to call you. So yeah, fast, fast forward a couple of weeks. That's, and, yeah. that's a great, that's another great example, right? And it, it yeah. feels good to connect the dots, right? Totally. And so what happened was that happens. Guy comes back to me. Thank you for that introduction, for that referral. We had a great conversation. Ah. By the way, I went after that conversation, I went back to your website. I listened to another one of your podcasts, Brendan, and I'm going to put you in touch with two of my friends who I think would really benefit from talking to you or one of the coaches on your team. And That's everyone comes to me and they say, oh, Brendan, you have a big Instagram account or a big YouTube. Teach me how to do that. I want to get more clients and more business. And I, I don't knock social media. It can be effective. But how about calling up the 10 people in your phone that you could have that kind of relationship with where you'll get all that business and money and everything you want a lot faster based on personal relationships. I, I, I couldn't agree more. And listen, there is a place for social media. There's a place for web marketing. Um, but I think especially as I see younger people coming up, um, that's something that I think we as, a, as a, an industry society at, at large need to be really careful with. People have to really understand how to emotionally connect and have and be emotionally intelligent and you and me texting back and forth is never going to get us there no no
I love that you said that about the texting, because that's a big lesson I've learned over the past few years. Um, what would you say just to flesh that out a little bit more? I have so many clients and people who say, Oh, you know, we got into this thing on text messaging, or I want to make the sale and I didn't hear back from them. So I just emailed them. I'm like, you emailed them to, to mitigate buying questions instead of calling them. Like, how has that shown up in your business and in your experience? Yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a really good question. And so, listen, all people like to communicate differently, right? And, and, and one of the things that I've learned, not only running CRC, but throughout my career, is you need to understand your audience. And I know, listen, I'm 51 years old. I'm at the point in my life where I have clients who are younger than me. I'm not the youngest guy anymore, right? <laughs> and I, I used to be the youngest guy in the room. I don't know what happened, but um, we took a couple of more revolutions around the sun. Um, so the way that I look at that is I will communicate how the client is most comfortable. Um, but initially, I need that interaction. And so I get people who, you know, we get a, most of our business right now, um, yeah, as we've continued to evolve, is inbound. So our outbound marketing is really tangential to what we do, okay? Yeah. A great place to be, very important still, just to make sure there's brand recognition and people are familiar with the brand uh, on the street. But, um, I can't tell you how many people will come into me through the website or through an email saying, I'm looking to have A, B, C, and D done. Can you send me a quote? Absolutely. <laughs> I will not do that. I'm like, yeah. I can set up an introductory call. I really like to get to know who you are and what you do. And then this way I can be in a better position to really size what your need actually is versus just say, okay, you want A, B, and C. I'm going to fire off a, 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 a a proposal to you and probably never hear from you again because you're probably price shopping. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and so I insist on that individual personal interaction. And then if they want to then go to an email or a texting type of relationship and that's how they're more comfortable, I'm fine with that, but I need to know you. And if, unless, and this is part of what we built, unless we can establish that rapport and truly embed ourselves in understanding who you are and what you do. And if you're gonna be a client, become becoming truly knowledgeable about your business, um, I can't do my job. And, and I, in order for us to be successful, we have to become de facto parts of your team and we can't just be a vendor. And if you view me as a, as a vendor at the end of the day, then I failed. Yep, that's, that's so well said. I, you know, they reach out, oh, Brendan, how much do you charge for coaching? Are you crazy? Because right. I, I would imagine like you, you know, we're sort of the higher end version where we want to understand exactly what your needs, goals, dreams, desires are, and then put together a bespoke program. Exactly. It's not going to be the cheapest, but I say it's the Ferrari, it's the Tesla, it's whatever you want to call it. If you want the Hyundai or the Kia, go on Yelp, you know, and go click a button and yeah. get a quote. Absolutely. And, 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 you know, and listen, there's so many um, parameters that you need to really understand before you can truly price something for a client. And, and, and a lot of that in my world is going to be based on their risk appetite, as well as their financial um, desire to, to spend money 
on something that they might not view as revenue generating or is gonna help to grow their business. But my job in selling the vision of compliance is really to help them understand that by building this, you're gonna be able to not only sustain your business, but scale it. Yeah, I, I could go down a whole rabbit hole on that because also sometimes people see maybe not business coaching that we do, but our life and relationship coaching from an ROI perspective. And that's its own animal that I could tell you have locked in. But I wanna go somewhere else, which okay. is you told me last time we had a conversation that you were 35 when you had your first ski lesson. That's true. And I don't remember exactly how old, but when you started your business, I'm curious how old you were and what you would say to people about the, it's not too late. Oh, I'm too old to start a business. We also hear it's, I'm too young to start a business. And so how has that impacted you and how have you worked with that? Sure. So I started my business right after my 43rd birthday. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I, I say to anyone who's contemplating, you know, a life-changing event, and there's there's so many different life-changing events and what I would call stressors, right? Um, that can and, and will impact your personal life, right? Um, I think you really need to recognize where you are when you're there. And, 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 and so one of the things I learned early on in, in my career, which I applied to my personal life as well, is there are peaks and valleys in life, right? And you're always, there's always gonna be peaks and valleys. And the most important thing is to recognize where you are when you're there. And if you're in a if you're in a valley, you need to you need to appreciate that low, and 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 recognize that that low is not going to last forever. And when you're at that high, if you're at the top of the peak, you need to really appreciate how awesome that is, knowing that that's not going to last forever. But you'll be back. And and so anyone who's looking to embark on a change, they have to recognize where they're sitting in in, in that and how those changes that they're looking to make will impact every aspect of their life. And the one driving force I will say is you have to have a support network that really believes you and gets, get, get, gets behind you. And to me, that's my family, especially my wife. Um, we've been married for 27 years. We're best friends. We met in college. Um, and, you know, the first thing she said after I said, you know what, I really want to do this she just wanted to get involved and get behind me. And she said, we don't need this big house we're living in anymore. Let's sell it and downsize. And so you can do this from a position of strength versus a position of being worried that, can I make the mortgage payment every month? Um, And what better life partner can you ask for, right? And so if if you're in a stage in your life where you're not gonna have that support, you're gonna fail. And because you're going to be worried about plugging all, plugging all the holes that are are coming, you know, coming up daily, worrying about how your family is going to react, respond. So you need to have that support. And, and to me, that was the, the one major force in my decision to move forward. Um, Could I have sucked it up for another 10, 15 years and gone to become a CCO somewhere else? Absolutely. But my wife knew I was going to be miserable and life is too short. So recognize when you have an opportunity, be brave, 
and look at all the people in this world that you've studied who were look who who dared to be great okay and here's the good news even if you dare to be great and it doesn't work out nobody is going to look at your resume and say wow you did something really entrepreneurial and you took your own shot in forming your own business what a stupid idea no they're going to say wow that's really interesting tell us about that we like the fact that you had personal skin in the game. We think that makes you a better employee for you, whatever that next gig is. And so you've got to take the positives and take and, and be willing to take that risk. That risk reward ratio has to drive you. I love that you said that because when I was at Steamboat at the hedge fund, I said, I want to go do my own business. I want to do something else. And there was this fear about, oh, but what about the money you get at the hedge fund? And what about this job security you have? But the reality was I had the opportunity to go do something different that really fulfilled me that I loved. And in a worst case scenario, not only could I go back to a steamboat, but I would say, hey, I probably deserve more money than they were paying me. Um, great boss, but not totally aligned with who I want as boss. Maybe I wanted to be traveling more and visiting companies as a hedge fund employee. And so when you actually think about it, the failure, if it were to happen, you learn from that process. People, like you said, will be more intrigued about who you are. And thirdly, worst case, you're probably better off than you were before. Because you'll, if you needed to go get another job, you would get something more aligned with the life experience you had just had. Yeah, it, it's, it's a, you, you're, you're, you're spot on. And, you know, learn from, and, and, and I'm not trying to be jargony or cliche here, because this is absolute truth. You learn from the failures. Like if, if CRC never lost an engagement or didn't screw up in a non-material way where we could have done better, we would never grow. You you learn from the you don't learn from the wins, you learn from the losses and oh, yeah. what you decide to do at that moment with that information, right? What are you gonna do now? How are you gonna prevent that from happening again? How are you gonna these better? How are you gonna ensure that you're never caught with your pants down? That situation again, you and and again, a lot of this to anyone who's listening, you're going to fake it before you make it. You just need to have the guts, the courage of in terms of who you are, and and from a character, from an integrity standpoint, from a knowledge standpoint, to stand beyond to stand behind who you are because you're your own best product. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Now you mentioned earlier with your sort of friend network or colleague network how you surrounded yourself with people who believe in you. And you mentioned how much your wife believed in you when you were going on this journey. It would not be a proper episode of the Brendan Burns show if we didn't talk about romantic relationships. So tell me a little bit more about, you know, people come to me a lot. We do, my company Burns International, we do a lot of relationship coaching, couples coaching also. Oh, great. And so you sound like you guys have it dialed in quite well. Yeah. What advice do you have for the listeners being on sort of that other side of you met young, you've grown and evolved together, you guys cheerlead each other, it sounds like, and that process of choosing a life partner. Sure. And so I just want to, in, in, you know, given the compliance officer in me, I want to just give full disclosure and I don't want people to think I'm crazy. <laughs> okay. And so, you know, when I met my wife, I was in my junior year in college and I'm a musician and I'm in a band. Uh, I was in a band then. And we met after 
um, one of our shows up in, in Oneonta and we were a fairly popular band. And, um, and I say this because it's the absolute truth. I took one look at her and I was in love. Like I just felt a connection with her when we locked. Um, and, and that connection is even stronger today. And I think what it comes down to, and I wasn't looking for that. She wasn't looking for that. She was about to go off to Europe for six months after we met. So none of, we weren't, neither of us was looking for that in terms of where we are as 20, 20, 21 year old people, right? But you can't help it when it happens, right? And, and I, was, I was hit by a ton of bricks. That's the best way I, I can put it. I, I immediately fell and we immediately, you know, found that we, we, we just had this connection uh, on, a, on, a, on an emotional level. And she was unlike anyone I ever um, dated before in my life, um, just um, extremely smart, um, articulate, um, thoughtful, um, and, and my intellectual superior. <laughs> and, and, and so we had intriguing conversations and it was just all very um, new and different and exciting. And, and we just had this instant bond. And I think one of the, the most, and, and, and love changes over the years and love evolves and relationships change. You, buy, you, you go to work, you buy houses, you have children, all of these things can be stressors on that relationship, right? I think for us, the foundational piece was we've always been best friends. We became best friends really early on. And we, and even more importantly, we make each other laugh. We find each other hysterically funny. And those ups and downs throughout, you know, whatever life you have, your ability to laugh just helps in so many ways, shapes, and forms. And so um, she's loving my life. And um, we've we built a family. I was married when I was 23. And 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 I remember all both of our families were like, you guys are so young on a relative basis. And we were like, you know what? We we, we know what we're doing and we want to do this. And no one was going to derail what we wanted to do. And we built a life together and we grew up with our kids. And so here I am at 51, just turning 51. We're empty nesters now, um, and we have, you know, this great adventure ahead of us. And so many couples lose that during the course of having kids, and they don't know who each other are when the kids leave the house. We're so excited to be with each other. And listen, once the pandemic has passed us, we love to travel. We love to go out on dates with each other. We do stuff together. And I think that, to me, is the most instrumental part of all this. Why do you think that relationships are less common in the younger generation, specifically marriage rates have gone down? And do you have any thoughts on, you know, because when dating, when you were in college versus how it operates today has changed? Yeah, you know, it's an interesting question. And I think there's so much, well, the way that people meet and date and court now is way different. And not something that I would be very willing to engage in if I was ever in that situation right now. It's just not how I, and you know, I, I had my son tell me at one point that if you go up and talk to a girl in a bar, they think you're stalking them. <laughs> and I'm like, really? And they're like, that's not how you meet people. What you do is you go on these apps and, 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 and that's how you connect. And I'm like, wow. And so I think, I think a lot of it is just, 
the the age of information and and all these exterior or external forces, I should say, that are providing input into these young people's lives. Um, I think it's really just changed the social dynamic of how we look at relationships. Um, and I know, like, listen, I, I have the I, I have the best case studies in front of me. I've got three young, I have three, you know, young adult children. They're all in committed relationships. And I have to think it's because my wife and I instilled with that with them the the importance of connection, right? And and so if I if I've done anything right or well in my life, I hope to have been a good role model for them. My wife and I have been good role models in terms of the types of relationships they want to seek out and be a part of. And so but I really think a lot of it is based on the social media aspect and, you know, in terms of how people meet and connect. And it's really hard to develop deep, meaningful, interpersonal relationships that way. And that's just me surmising and making an assumption. But I think that has to come into play. I, I would completely agree. And uh, I would also just say to kind of put a bow on everything we're talking about, whether it's business development network and client building or relationship building, it's a level of vulnerability and real emotional human in-person or telephonic connection versus a dating app, a text message, a cold LinkedIn message, a cold call. You can go down the list. Right. Or not being able to look at somebody in the eye. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and 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 so to me, like whether it's in my personal life or somebody's coming me I know immediately I'm done if that person won't look at me yeah and and so you connections they're so important to who we are as 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 human beings right it's it's fundamental it's primal and and we can't lose that and I think anyone who hangs on to that learns to appreciate that especially the younger generation coming up they're going to have a leg up in life yeah that's well said. So Mitch, where can the audience find more about you, your story, your company, your business? Sure. So we're, um, we're uh, you know, we are um, everywhere. <laughs> you can find our website um, at compliance-risk.com. Um, we're on social media, on LinkedIn, Facebook, just, um, just search under compliance risk concepts. Um, if you go to our website, you can find my bio, you can find everything about our team, what we do. If you want to connect with me, um, I have people reach out all the time. I love developing relationships with people who are coming up in the industry. Um, I love mentoring people looking for guidance. One of the things I used to do, you know, um, early, uh, several years ago, and I haven't been able to do it um, in the last couple of years, was I would go back to SUNY Oneonta. Um, I would conduct mock interviews with kids on their way to, uh, you know, graduating just so they had some preparation for what that would feel like once they got into the marketplace. So, you know, um, I love to give back. Uh, I love to connect the dots. And so um, uh, I, I promise you, if you reach out to me, I won't ghost you. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mitch Abnett, thank you again so much for coming on the show today. Brendan, thank you. And, and, and it was a wonderful experience and I truly appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Brendan Burns Show. If it's your first time here, please make sure to subscribe on the Apple Podcasts app or in Spotify. Also, please leave us a rating or written review. 
This helps others learn about the show and spread the word to new and more people. Thanks again for listening and have a great day.